Hey guys, welcome to Fox Odyssey Radio. Foxology Radio? Yep. <laughs> well, to, this is the podcast. Oh, Fox Odyssey Podcast. Yeah, but we're going to do another radio. Yeah. Now, Seth, let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you were going to do the Sethology Radio. Yes. I don't know why I had trouble saying that. Sethology Radio. <laughs> what songs would you pick to talk about? Um, get up, fight. Get up and fight by Muse. Yep, you love that one. What else? Um, debit. Which one? I am man. Oh, Muppet. Yes, I'm a man, or I'm am a I a Muppet? Loves that one. Loves that one. What other songs would you talk about? High School Musical. High School Musical. You don't listen to a lot to that. Right now, we've been in the middle of a quiet <coughs> riot. Whoa. Quiet right. Quiet, quite right. Come on, feel the noise. He loves that song. Um, Come on, living color. Feel the noise. That's it. Uh, living color. Cult Ooh, personality. That's a good one. And a brick, brick my heart. Yeah, and Tayo Cruz, <laughs> Tayo Cruz maybe with Ludacris. I will, Chris. Yes, break my heart from the early mm-hmm. zeros. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's. It's quite a spectrum. That is. Yeah, it's very like well rounded. So if we did a Sethology radio, that's kind of the that's kind of the vibe you're gonna get. It's a roller Seth, coaster. Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno's oh, up there. Yeah. Toto Africa, Weezer's version he likes. Um, anything else, buddy? Yeah. We have a Seth playlist. Yes. Uh, here what else? Goes. What? Oh, here he goes. Hey Tim. What? Hey Dusik. Hey Tim, please. I said the stuff. please. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Seth on summer vacation is Seth turned up to 11. <laughs> Let's just say that right now. How are you today, Mr. Stafford? I'm doing well. How are you, Mr. Michael? You know what? We're doing great. It has been, um, it has been in the, like, and, and this is what, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, so we talk about the weather. Yes. That's just what we do. It's like, so it's been hot. Yes. And I mean, like nineties. Yeah, here too. Um, and here, there's a little humi- uh, humility, there's humidity a humility attached to that. <laughs> and so a it's, humility. It yes, all of us. It gets so it's it gets a little juicy out there. But um, we're doing great, my friend. We're doing great. Big Nate comes home today to visit for a long weekend, so we're pumped on that. And what then, are you guys gonna um, do? What's your plans? Well, Kenobi. Oh yeah, that's plan number one. Um. The, usually there's some some working out. He drags me the to the gym and we do things like push weights and such. <laughs> and uh, there's usually some some dining out. Yeah, um, I think he just likes being home. Yeah, like you know you know that feeling yeah, when you're in comfort. college. Yeah, for yeah, sure. exactly, exactly. Just having it easy. So anyway, that will be fun. But other than that, dude, we have a lot. We have, we have a, a lot, lot going on. Always. Oh, and we have more shootings. I mean, I pulled up. Um, let me try to find it. I pulled up just a news site, you know, one of those mobile news sites, and um, here were the here were the headlines, and it's just absolutely insane. One was about you know the the failure of the police in Texas. Um, then we had two dead plus suspected shooter outside of an Iowa church. Yes. Then we had the Tulsa the shooting in a hospital. Yeah. Um, 
And um, and then the Buffalo mass shooting suspect pleads not guilty to 25 count indictment, including yeah. murder. So yeah. those are the top. Those were the five stories at the top. Yeah, that's all since the Texas shooting was Tuesday of last week. Yep, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, yeah. it's insane. It and is. then Timothy sent me this interview with the woman who was handcuffed trying to get in and rescue her kids. Yeah, it's one of those things where you hear, you try to figure out, because I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to sensationalize anything, especially things that are this important or this like, you know, affecting yeah. to our community. Significant, so, yes. Yeah, when you hear things like the cops were putting the parents in handcuffs and they weren't, it's like, well, is that all true or is that, are people... But yeah, yeah, the interview that I sent you was with the mother who was handcuffed because she was questioning what they're, why they weren't going in, and because she wanted to get in there, and she got out of the cuffs, and then she's the one that ran over, the, like jumped the fence, went in, and you can watch her interview of her talking about getting her first kid and his entire class out, and then um, going for her second child, and hearing the gunshots the whole time that everybody could hear, so they knew that that shooter was being active, was actively shooting and made it to her other son's classroom but the teacher was too afraid to open the door uh, but she eventually got both her kids out mm. and so she's wrestling with like first she was like telling the cops give me a vest let me go in i don't like if you're not going to do it i'm going to go in regardless and then you know and then she's just she's wrestling with the guilt and shame of the kids that were still killed in the shooting yeah. Yeah. and you know i don't know it's just the weight of all of it is tremendous. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So we just sit in more grief and even at our church on Sunday, we just took time. Yeah. But you know, two weeks after Buffalo, we did it after Buffalo. We did it again. It's like, you yeah. can do this every single week and it's unbelievable. Um, we have loads of uh, emails coming in and comments from our, Last couple of episodes. Um, I want to hit one really quick before we get to the more recent ones. There was one that came in about the idea of grace hmm. when we were going through the different words. <clears throat> and it said, um, I have a peripheral question about the idea of grace. Often in our Western context, I hear and have said that we need to show grace to ourselves. I've even said to my children when they mess something up and start getting upset, hey, you're only human. Have some grace for yourself. Is that a correct way of using the word grace? What's a better way of expressing this idea? Not to beat yourself up for making a mistake. If I'm trying to reframe my understanding of in this in this uh, of this concept in terms of patron slash client relationships, uh, it doesn't seem like the correct way to use the word grace. And and totally, I would agree, dear questioner. Um, grace is relational, and so I would use the word acceptance for the posture we're to have about ourselves. Hmm. That um, I am accepting my limitations, I'm accepting the fact that um, that I have a will that's often bent towards not what is right, but rather what is the worst kind of thing for me. But I wouldn't use the word grace there anymore just because I think grace is a relational concept that requires two people. So, and, and again, I mean, <laughs> The, the quibbling doesn't matter, if, you know, if you want to use the word grace to for what you do when you pray or 
for the kindness you show yourself. But I would, I would say acceptance would be the word I would use there. What about you, Timothy John? I don't know. We were just talking about that with something that had to do... Oh, in the last episode when I was talking about um, my son asking when we were talking about the love your neighbor verse. Mm. Yes. And he asked me about what if you don't love yourself. And there is something to this idea. I think, you know, we've had a couple episodes with mental health folks on. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be mm-hmm. great to do another one to just kind of talk. There is something, I don't I agree. I don't know if grace is the right word for that, but there is something about our relationship with ourselves and how we care for ourselves that is often missed in the church mm-hmm. and is often kind of demonized in the church. Um but so many people are struggling with depression, different things like that. So there is that yeah. idea of having grace with yourself, but whatever that really means to how do you take care of yourself, um, it'd be fun to look at that verse for both sides of that, like the love your neighbor as yourself, both, both your neighbor and yourself and what that means to love and care for and yeah. dignify yourself and your neighbor, I think is an interesting concept to explore. Yeah, and, and so are you. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to love myself every day. <laughs> well, you already do. <laughs> do I? Well, yeah, because love love in the Bible isn't a feeling word. It's an action right. word. Yeah, so even parsing <clears throat> out language like that, I think, is helpful to... Yeah, so the, like you're drinking out of a blue flask, which who knows what could be in that flask, ladies and gentlemen. We yeah, have no... Well. We have no outside testimony. Social anxiety only has so many um, antidotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you poor guy. So, um, so I would say, you know, so you, so when you're thirsty, you get yeah. something to drink, right? We've talked about this before. When you're tired, you sleep. When yeah. you're exposed, you find shelter. So that's how you love yourself biblically, right? And so how do you love others? Well, do you use the same ingenuity, resources, and time and attention to doing what you do naturally for you to other people? Well, how, how deep does that, that thread go, though, when you start pulling on it? Those are all physical needs, that you a lot of which you do subconsciously, right? Like if I'm thirsty, yeah. I often don't have to think about picking up water to drink it. It's your natural... Well, but, you put, but you put it in the flask. Right, but I'm saying like if you go further, if you fall that further down into emotional things that are are less like in front of you that you yeah. struggle with about yourself, ways of taking care of yourself that extend past physical necessities or whatever that turn into emotional necessities or you know even emotional abuse that you inflict upon yourself, how you know I think it's interesting to explore that as you know we talk a lot about the imago day as how we treat other people but we don't talk about it a ton with how we take care of ourselves i i guess all the top of my head i'm just spitballing off of this one little phrase of grace yeah 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 Yeah. spitball away my friend i just i just um i am resistant to turning love into an internal state right that serves a therapeutic purpose and I'm more interested in externalizing that because so much of our faith, at least the inherited faith, is about my internal states and right. how I'm feeling. Yeah. And um, I think part of the problem is we've really missed 
the what's in front of my face part. Well, then it might be interesting to compartmentalize that, and I mean that in a positive way, to explore mental health through, if it's not that, then, you know, if not this, well, I'm, not, I'm not saying it isn't that, but when I thought when I think about it, I think about it as only that. Right. Oh, totally. And, yeah. And that's that. Right. <laughs> Seems like that's the issue. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, before before we dive into all the questions you've got ready for us, I want to thank four people who have come on the um the community have come into the community and are supporters of it. Um, I don't know how to pronounce Pushpa. I, I hope it's, but it's P-U-S-H-P-A, mm-hmm. which I love. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm going to go with Pushpa, Matt, Chris, and Amanda. And I just want to say thank you for giving through Tithely. If you go to tithely.com and type in Vox Collective. Or it's tithe.ly. Yeah, tithe.ly. That's right. And that's how you can do regular giving there. You can do Patreon. But, man, we're always just super grateful for people who are generous because that allows us to do things um, that we wouldn't normally be able to do. Now, Timothy, before we get to an interview, we've got an interview today with um, our good friend Timothy John Donald Gombas. And um, and we're we're wrapping up our, our series of conversations about image. So so we've been talking about saved. We've been talking about faith and grace. And now we're going to talk about works. And and Gambus has done so much academic work in Ephesians, yeah, um, and around Paul that that he has a really interesting take on Paul's use of good deeds versus Paul's use of works of the law in other places and so on. So it's a shorter interview, um, but I think it'll be really helpful for those of us who are still trying to reconcile how the new grammar of this, the new creation gospel sort of works itself out. So this will be our last entry into the series. Uh, But before we do that, because it's a little bit of a shorter interview, is my voice cracking? It feels like it's cracking. Well, um, that happens to all of us. Yes. Puberty is so nice. <laughs> Sometimes it lasts for 30 years. <laughs> Sometimes it does. And I think, years. especially with men, emotional puberty. That's right. Um, it's kind of where we're at. Yes. So you've got some stuff for us, Timothy. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. launch, launch the torpedoes. All right. We have tons and tons and tons of emails and questions. This this first one's a very short one, but I think it's... Uh, it can, could provoke something interesting. Hey, Mike and Tim, you mentioned recently about solid believers who hold political office. The way I've read the Gospels, Jesus actively rejected all earthly power when it was offered to him, example, John 6, 15. It would appear that using political power, even if it seems to advance God's kingdom, is a rejection of Christ's examples. Example, I'd love to hear your thoughts or pushback. Ooh. Well, go for it. Well, <laughs> I like this one because I've actually been wrestling with this quite a bit with how, yeah. how do we, it's the thoughts and prayers argument, right? So, um, right. How, how actively involved do you get and how active are things like thoughts and prayers? So thoughts and prayers have become a, neg- a negative rhetorical device with half of the Christian community for, I think for just reasons, but thoughts and prayers on as 
intrinsically as what they are and not necessarily bad. It's just the way that we've used that phrase. Right. We've, we've used that phrase to excuse non-action. Yes. Like we can just, we'll think happy thoughts and we'll just say a prayer That's and we right. can move forward with That's our right. lives. I do think prayer does stuff. Yeah. And by I, the way. I do too, but I'm not sure what it does. Other than right. like provoking what I said last week before we did the prayers of the people, like provoking posturing yourself so that you're actually facing towards what God, the kingdom is doing and thinking about that and praying about that and involving yourself in that will provoke you to action, I think. So there's an active element of prayer that I, I feel like I understand. There's a supernatural element of prayer that I do not understand. But yeah. that doesn't mean I don't believe in it. I just don't know what place it has. But yeah. I saw something float through the news that I thought was interesting in regards to this. And it was about um, the, the kid that brought the gun into the supermarket in Buffalo. Right? That was in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And he made it very clear that he uh, hates African-American people. And there's also some language about woke culture or whatever, whatever woke culture is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and then the person who was talking about this linked it up to this guy named Spencer Bone, who runs this thing called Liberty Alliance. Mm-hmm. And if you go on their website, it's an organization that was founded to fight for, well, their, their tagline literally says, Liberty Alliance exists to fight for conservative values whenever they're under attack. Mm. wherever they're under attack. Mm. And on the website, they made a map of woke hotspots or places where things are happening um, that you can avoid or whatever because it's woke culture. And there's a submission Mm. form where you can submit places where things are happening. Mm. And a lot of the places that were pinned on the map were schools. And... um, and then there's wow. rhetoric about how to how to put how to fight back a call to fight back against things and yeah. this the yep. same article had a thing with a guy that's running for governor in Alabama and his his you know uh, uh, politicians have their ads that they run on TV you know yep and he was calling out like trans culture and this and in particular a trans school that was being um, put into place and he was using fight back rhetoric as well naming a school. Now, we have a problem in this country with people uh, inflicting violence at schools. Mm-hmm. And um, many of the shooters have been young and white and are pushing back against things that they have read or seen. And the point of all this is that I think that um, I think that this rhetoric is really damaging and poisonous and dangerous. And mm-hmm. it does cause people to do things that are causing death like human lives are being ended because of subscribing or getting riled up by specific rhetoric so when i think about this question from the listener about believers in office or whatever i'm thinking about a little bit more broadly i think than he's asking it um whether like just that we should have christians in office so they can enact um, christian morals or beliefs i don't think that that's right at all right um but how we as individuals become more involved in our communities because there are crazy, dangerous, life-ending things happening and there is dangerous rhetoric that can spur that on, that's mm-hmm. what I want mm-hmm. to explore. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. They're not answers. They're just like, this is why I'm wrestling with this topic so much about how we can be more involved. On a, It's the same thing with the missions conversation to a certain extent where it's like, how I don't, you know, I think we've established that we don't think missions are wrong. 
It's just there are certain ways of going about it. So there are ways that we can, as a community, can be more intentional with how we approach living amongst other people. And mm-hmm. But that starts here. For me, it starts mm-hmm. in Auburn. Mm-hmm. How How do we do that? And should we be doing that? And it seems like there is a need for us to be more involved in our immediate communities. What do you think? Right. Well, I, first of all, great job. Um, <clears throat> I would I would echo some of that. I would say um, it depends what we mean by political office. So mm-hmm. I, I distinguish between being political and being partisan. Because right. the church, as we've said lots, is a political entity. Right. Yeah, There's totally. no getting around that. We yeah. any organization around under some authority, around or under some authority for the common good, that is political. Yeah. So we're already part of politics. I mean, we the church is a politic and we are political. So um, do I have any issue with Christians like being elders of churches or leaders of churches? No, those are but those can be seen as political offices. Totally. Um so if, if by political office, and I think this is what our listener is perhaps getting at, if political office means I, I'm fighting for um, partisan values in a way that causes me to cease being Christian in the way that I treat my enemies, then absolutely we are, we are uh, abandoning the example of Jesus and actually enacting the opposite of the example of Jesus when we do that. Yeah. Um, if... I am part of a um, a team or community that is working so that all people would flourish, uh, and I happen to hold a political office in order to do that. I have no, I don't think the scripture would have any issue um, with that. In the same way that scripture wouldn't have issue with a political office in the church. So um, it, it goes back to motive. How we understand is this is this a culture war? So I can assume political office is a culture warrior, or I can yeah. assume political office is a disciple who is a cruciform in nature and working for the common good, certainly having an agenda. Yes, of course we have agendas. Yes, yes, yes. But are the agendas um, uh, for the blessing and betterment of all according to Christ, or are the agendas really about advancing a partisan agenda? And is there confusion between the two that I think the partisan agenda actually represents the kingdom of Christ? Um, that's when I'm off the bus entirely. Yeah. So I, I, I want to agree with you to say, um, I don't think it is the posture of the church to look at the world and seek to transform it. Hmm. I don't think, I think the, the examples we, we get in the language that's used as passive, so we're to be witnesses, um, Jesus' disciples were to be salt and light, which were not uh, evangelistic metaphors. They were identity metaphors. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I don't see this commission in um, the New Testament to go out and to change culture. Right. I see the, the, the attention, the direct attention of all of the New Testament imperatives are focused at the church. And not just the church, but me as a disciple of Jesus in the church. Yeah. So if my, the orientation of my life is spent trying to change the world, but I ignore what God's doing in my life and in his community, right. then I think we've got that backwards. Yeah, it really makes a conundrum to a certain, well, in some ways. Like if you think if it, if it really is just go, go down from here and make disciples or whatever, if you're, 
if we're not meant to make to try these grandiose superhero kind of attempts you know like yeah. i'm gonna become the president because the president has the most power to affect change right. upon everybody but more like you just said me mine here um, if if all christians are doing that loving their community being held accountable or, or you know being vulnerable and transparent in their community what that does to every community around is it just like a you know, it's all the it's all the wizards and Doctor Strange throwing up their shields, not I just Doctor Strange. I don't know. I don't that was know. In, that was in Avengers, not in the okay. new one. Okay, don't ruin it. I won't. All right. I think that's an interesting thing to wrestle with, though. That. Yep. Great question. All right. So this one. Now I'm just picking them randomly because we got to oh, we got to pick up the pace, though. Well, this one the, this one's long. The question's long. Oh. Oh, okay. I'll read it quickly, but I think it has some fun things to play around with. Great, right. dude. Great. Seth and company, let's start with the important stuff. Seth, buddy, thank you, buddy. Every time I hear your voice in my car and my headphones, I smile. I feel yes. joy from God through you, and I love it. Thank you. I love you. Now, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Mike and Tim. <laughs> Perfect. That is begin? the correct order. <laughs> where to begin? Yeah. I've written an email to you many times in my head. Let's start with where we are currently. My family and I didn't have a church to go to this last Easter. This was strange. Uh, we have never been here before. My wife and I were married when we were youth pastors, or at least mm. I was the pastor because I was a male. When yep. we were involved in quote-unquote ministry ever since, and not always paid, but small group leaders, etc. Uh, I was shocked at what was revealed in the church by the pandemic and the social unrest in our country. My oldest daughter was home from college with her liberal ideas. She was sharing with those ideas, and she was sharing those ideas with her younger siblings. I had to stand up against her, right? We would find ourselves wow. in yelling matches often. I can vividly recall a moment I was defending the need for law and order to stop looters from removing Nike products, products from stores, ignoring the fact my daughters were standing up for George Floyd, a man created in the image of God. My arguments mm. rang out in my head, and they sounded so void and empty, empty of love, empathy, compassion, or truth. I wow. began with the simple thought, I don't know everything. I am embarrassed uh, that this was so revolutionary for me, but since I didn't know everything, I could stand to learn from someone else, even my liberal daughter, who, by mm. the way, is finishing her master's after only five years since graduating high school. Yeah, I oh, could wow. learn from her. I began to seek... <laughs> he's got some fun language. There. I love this. I began to seek out other voices, voices different than my own, trying to imagine a perspective not my own. I began to notice some things being said in my church I no longer could support. One example, mm. life isn't fair. God made some people rich and some people poor. What mm. the heck? I sat through a Sunday sermon where our pastor called out Simone Biles as not being so tough and perpetuating the biggest threat to Christianity concerned for mental health. Oh, um, and that was when she sat out at the Olympics. Yep, for the Olympics. Good Lord. Uh, let's see. Um, a different sermon poking fun at the idea of people needing to see a Marvel hero that looks like them in response to Black Panther breaking the color barrier. We are a white church in a nice neighborhood. Our pastor discouraged us from being socially active. I couldn't do it anymore. You, yeah, came, you didn't even have to say it's a white church. We, we knew exactly. <laughs> uh, I came across Voxology recommended by my oldest daughter. Damn liberal ideas. I read <laughs> Beth Allison Barr, The Making of Biblical Womanhood. As I read it, I was reminded not only do I not know everything, some of the stuff I know is BS. Why did I think you had to have a penis to teach the Bible? I found mm. myself here without anyone to talk to. Your podcast helped 
by putting words to my thoughts. And I know I wasn't alone, but my wife wasn't in this place. In fact, she thought I needed to talk to our sons about being a man so they wouldn't end up gay. We have four kids. My friends are at churches where Sundays become Trump rallies and teach if you wear a mask, you're living in fear, but you should carry a gun to protect yourself because Jesus right. told his disciples to carry a sword. I was mm. going crazy. My theology was falling apart. My political affiliation, which I inherited from my working mom, my mom working at Focus on the Family, was now disgusting to me. All I did wow. was take their voter's guide to the poll and do my Christian duty. The truth or importance of every foundation or theological rock I had was now in question. I remember a ministry book encouraging me to imagine my youth ministry as a fish tank. I had to put the big important things in first, big rocks, then sand or whatever, because it mm -hmm. filled. Because if I filled it with sand, I wouldn't be able to put a rock into it later. So what were the big rocks? Sound theology, ability to defend my faith to an unbeliever, admit you're a mm -hmm. sinner, and get baptized. Mm -hmm. I read all of Josh McDowell's books and was ready to argue anyone into belief. I couldn't. If I couldn't, you weren't smart enough or the devil had your mind. Mm. I never entered into a conversation with any desire to listen to anyone. When I was 25, I knew so much more about how to do church, be a Christian, be a man. Thanks to Voxology, I now question everything, including what was you two singing about. Thanks, Tim and Tim, the Wanderer episodes. I am wow. wandering. I am wandering. It is so liberating to be able to open scripture and be okay not understanding what Paul is saying or hearing it for the first time. It is also very uncomfortable and scary. Looking for a community sucks, as you mentioned. How do I bind them into being unbounded? Um, he's in the uh, Rancho Cucamonga area, looking if there's other people in that area that hmm. uh, are like-minded. Uh, I love you guys, even though you have ripped the rug from under me. And between you two and Tim Gombas's, I want to recommend a book or three every week. I can't keep up. I have to listen to these podcasts two to three times because it is so opposite of what and how I used to think. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Obviously, there's not a direct question there, but I thought it was encouraging, especially for men, as we get older, we have such a hard time saying, I don't know. Or as they say, I don't, I thought I knew everything. Now I'm realizing right. that I don't know much of anything. And But what a wonderful place to be at, mm. to learn, to grow, to change. There is so much more to learn. And I, I think that is just the core root of being a disciple is just being willing to learn 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 mm -hmm. and i learned so much from my 10 and 6 year old i can't imagine mm -hmm. them as teenagers or oh know, my goodness college yep. students and i love that so yeah if anything no, just want to read well, as an encouragement to the guy that wrote it in absolutely and <clears throat> i think you you are on to something when you talk about one of the primary identities we have are disciples. And there is such a danger, and of me too. I mean, my goodness, it happens everywhere to everyone, of just sort of cementing in a place or a way of relating or looking at God and the world and the Bible and whatever, and then defending that. Um, and there, there's a sense in which that's needed. There are parts that are absolutely critical to what it is to be a Christian as opposed yeah. to something else, but um, not as many probably as we've been taught. And that posture of humility that says, I can always, I always have something to learn. Oh man, what a, what a neglected spiritual discipline that is. So, and the great. fact that he says that it's so, that he feels so he's wandering and it feels so free. It's uncomfortable and scary at times. It is. Especially when you have multi decades of, you yeah. can find one way one of way. thinking. Yeah, but man, Absolutely. it can feel like a 
breath of fresh air like you've been locked in a really you know hot car for a long time Ooh, nice <laughs> yes unless you're in the mojave desert and then it's it's still hot outside that's right but yes i i think i mean i just think the goal of this enterprise isn't to disorient people to the place where they just kind of wander yes away the goal of the enterprise is the box that we have is too small yes to take them out of the gift shop yeah we're we've been in the gift shop the whole time the whole national park is there for us to explore that's what that's what i feel like god has done to us and that's what we're trying to do in this whole enterprise yeah totes all right so man great stuff i don't think i don't think we have time for more we have i mean there are just so many maybe you know we should probably do a midweeker yeah just to get through people ask these really huge questions <laughs> and and, they, and they're and i love it i mean yeah. but it's it's how do you answer on email like it would take right. me a whole day to compose you know a two-page email in response and so let's do a midweeker here let's let's find somebody to join us and let's do a midweeker to knock some of these out but today brothers and sisters and I know for some of you, this is bad news. For many of you, it is good news. But it's more Gompus. <laughs> <laughs> we, hear, we hear from you. Um, but, but this, this I mean, I, I, I am so glad. Because I had, I had uh, something prepared on this. But I had not heard his view right. um, around Ephesians 2.10. Because there, Paul uses the word good deeds as opposed to the word works. And um, Gambus has thoughts on that that I'd not read in the literature before. And so I thought that was helpful. Yeah. Anywho, the goal has been to just remind us of how big the national park is. That's right. So when we talk about saved or grace or faith or whatever, the, the world turns out to be a lot bigger than we thought. So here's Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voxology Podcast, and boy, do we have a treat for you today. Um, he is uh, probably not on his porch uh, anymore. He is potentially watching golf if there is golf on, or baseball if there is baseball on. But he's BJ Championship this week. He's certainly, certainly, we know for sure, being uh, harassed by his twin cats. And um, today, ladies and gentlemen, we have Dr. Timothy Gombas back two episodes in a row. We figure there is a law of thermodynamics that simply says the more Gombas, the better. And uh, we have yeah, there may that. be the law of diminishing returns. I'm not sure which. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, the what the one law that I really subscribe to is the more you run over a dead cat, the flatter it gets. That was oh. one of our my my. <laughs> My parents. These are the practical ones, not just the useless theoretical yeah, ones. Yeah, all things. Listen, listen, I, and, and I and I speak from experience here. But another, just to get it out. Um, all <laughs> things being equal, fat people use more soap, and I'm just saying I think that's probably true. I think there yeah. is a, a surface area dimension. I can't argue with that to soap use that you know isn't always isn't always accounted for by soap manufacturers. Yeah. See, this is how my mind works. Um, <laughs> I yeah I believe that, or do I? Oh. I'm not sure. Ooh. I think it depends on uh, the plushness of the washcloth. 
Ooh, because see? some washcloths <laughs> that's fair uh hold the suds better uh, for longer far and there's better a, there's this one washcloth that i like to use and it's it's not i couldn't find it for a while see my brain did similar but went one. through the amount of soap <laughs> that some people use they over lather mm -hmm. so it's not about the surface space it's about how much soap they use and then my brain took me to an episode of friends where joey and chandler were arguing about uh, using a washcloth or loofah because a soap is self-cleansing. A bar of soap is self-cleansing. So Joey totally. only used the bar of soap, and they were saying that's gross. And he says it's self-cleansing. Yeah. Oh, that's I believe funny. that. So it was a okay. full I totally chain, believe that. Full chain. Yeah, because you have to wash the washcloth. Yeah, but you yeah, washcloths are not self-cleansing. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally buy that. I uh, a friend of mine once uh, upbraided me mm. for not using a washcloth, and I, that's why I was like this. It, you don't have to wash soap. Soap doesn't right. get dirty. Right. Anyway. So why did you shift? Was it just Shame. age? Shame? Okay. Uh, That's, fair. <laughs> That's fair. You got bath shamed. No, okay. Do you know why? All right. So we're getting into we're getting I love into it. A yes. Great granular detail here. Here's the reason. I formerly used dial bars of soap. Yeah. Now um because I'm here in Michigan. And um, in Michigan, you know, the weather in February, by the end of the winter, um, it's all designed for you not to have skin left, for your, for your skin fair. to be so dried out. It's, yeah. it's painful. So I switched to like a, one of those bath. Um, oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. It's like, what's it? Liquid soap or it's like, like a body wash. Body, body wash. Body wash. Switch yeah. to a body wash. Yep. And you need a washcloth for the body wash. That's so that. I, knit, I, knit, I was looking for that moisture. Uh, instead of like dial, just drying me out and making my skin crack. So yeah, washcloth, washcloth okay. city from now on. <laughs> okay. All right. But the washcloth, as we've established, is not self-cleansing. So that's right. You got to have a rhythm. Yes. You do have to have washing a rhythm. that baby. Yeah. And I, I find whether it's a washcloth or a towel, there's a certain ratio of like, I, I don't like my towels too soft. I, I need mm. there to be a little texture to them, like a little, and same with my washcloths. I don't want a nice soft washcloth. I want a little, yeah. a little scrub, agitating. I want yeah. agitating. Slightly abrasive. Yeah, slightly abrasive. Yeah. Increases right? the cleansing power. It increases the cleansing yeah, power. Like 20%. <laughs> At least 20%. Five out of six doctors recommend. I believe that. Cleansing power. That's right. Oh, well, Mr. Yeah. Gombas, it is wonderful to see you. Are you sure you want to say that after our, after all that we just said? Yes, uh, Mr. <laughs> I, I will resort, I will like resort back to the formality of address now that we've talked about our shower habits. Um, we are ending a conversation, my friend, that um, we just think you would be uh, the best person to end with. We've been looking at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and we've been looking at the words, some of the big like Christian words, faith, saved, grace, and works. Mm. And the point we've been making has been, if you tell the, the truncated forgiveness of sins, go to heaven story, then those four words mean really different things than if you're telling the kingdom of God, new creation story that we think more faithfully represents the New Testament. And then saved, you know, uh, grace, faith, those take on radically different meanings. And so we've been exploring last, um, a couple episodes ago, we explored the idea that grace 
in the words of John Barclay, is something that's incongruous, which is there's a big mismatch between the worth and beauty and glory of the giver and the recipient. And, um, but, but it also is circular in the sense that there is an expectation of not a return in kind, but at least reciprocity. Um, and that, that whole conversation raises the question, then what's this big boogeyman of works that Paul is always afraid of? Um, where even in Ephesians, you know, he says it's by grace, not by works that no one can boast. Does that just mean, is that works there? Is that different from the good deeds he mentions in verse 10 when he says, you've been saved for good deeds. You are God's workmanship, saved in Christ to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to do. Is he using works two different ways there? And we thought of no one better, of course, than you mm. um, and your incredible work on Romans, that you know, the the... I don't know, terrific series of episodes that you did going through Romans to kind of address this. So um, why don't we just start there? When Paul uses the word works or good deeds or whatever, is he using the same word all over the place or are there different nuances to what he intends to convey? Yeah, that, those are the right questions. Uh, first of all, let me just say uh, a plug for a, um, for a friend who's got a book coming out that uh, gets right at what you were just sort of talking about. Um, Nijay Gupta is a great New Testament scholar and a super guy. Um, I just saw uh, an advanced version of the book that he's got coming out maybe next spring. Um, it's, it's a look at sort of um, the New Testament, New Testament theology. It's not like a theological textbook. It's, it's a really practical, down-to-earth, great mm. writing. Mm. Um, he selects... 15 words um, oh. to kind of get into the New Testament. And they're just like you said, grace, salvation, faith, hope. I mean, so he, he takes each of these words, That's so um, cool. draws the New Testament or sorry, Old Testament background, and then selects one New Testament document to sort of draw out what that means. Oh, so wow. keep your eye out for that. It, it's uh, read it a couple weeks ago. And it's just, it's fantastic. So do you feel like he stole that idea from us? I mean, is he that said, what I hear you saying? You're in the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's attributed. Hey, that's a fantastic, that is a fantastic idea for an academic book. Oh, totally. Well, no, no, uh, he's an academic, such a great scholar, but it's so practical. It's for, it's for pastors, it's for oh, Christian readers. It's like, it's it's kind of like a way to get into the theology of the New Testament without ever using the word theology. That's you fantastic. know, to just to really feel the impulses, kind of like what you were drawn out. But yeah, back to your question. Um, Actually, Paul uses that term uh, slightly differently depending on what he's talking about, depending on the context. So, um, to me, works and works of law in Galatians and Romans means something very specific. Mm. Um, and it does not mean the same thing necessarily that it means in Ephesians because the, what he's talking about is different. Mm. Um, in Galatians and Romans, the... Um, what's happening there is Paul's trying to correct some misunderstandings that um, if a person has a Jewish identity, they have some kind of priority in God's work of salvation. Or right. uh, if a person has a Jewish identity, they are actually in and non-Jews are out. So Gentiles have to become Jewish. They have to Judaize. And um, what Paul, how he gets at that, is through this expression, works of law. That is, um, 
you know, deeds that are done in some kind of observance of the Mosaic law um, that mark a person out as being Jewish. So, and, and it's really important that uh, we understand what Paul says about them. Mm. So, um, a previous generation, and, and I think a lot of Christian lay people just assume that Paul does demonize works or he demonizes works of law. Yes. Um, he really, for, for Paul, works of law are completely neutral. They're just the sort of the pattern of life, that the, um, the actions or community dynamics that a person participates in that give them a Jewish identity. Yeah. Um, so we would just, have works of law as Americans. Yeah. Celebration um, of July 4th. Someone who says the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Growing right, up. Exactly. Someone yes. who pays the taxes by April 15th or submits an extension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they're identity markers. Yeah. They're, they mark out a person's identity and they mark out group cohesion. Mm. Um, you know, talking about group cohesion, which um, might be a topic for the future. Uh, but anyway, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> pointing ahead, foreshadowing is what we call it in the I biz. love that. I love, yes. So um, there in Galatians and Romans, Paul doesn't say works of law are bad. He, he just says that um, salvation has come by grace through faith um, for anybody who is of Jewish ethnicity or not. Um, mm. A person is not set right by works of law. That is, whatever your ethnic, if you have an ethnic identity as Jewish, that doesn't mean that you are set right with God. Mm. What, what, you know, the proper group that you need to belong to is the group that is in Christ. That is the group that God justifies. So just to say in Galatians and Romans, works and works of law are targeted specifically for the issues that are up and running in those churches. Because there was debate, right? I mean, there was pressure yeah. from Jewish, some sort of teachers, leaders, to for non-Jewish people to put on those markers. Yes. Right? For themselves. Yeah. So in Galatians, there's obviously some uh, some Jewish Christian teachers that have come from Jerusalem, not authorized by James, very likely, almost certainly. And um, they are advocating for Paul's Gentile churches there in Galatia that they need to become Jewish in order to fully participate in God's salvation in Christ. Um, and so Gentiles, non-Jews there in Galatia are considering doing it, which Paul sees as a surrender of the gospel of grace. In Romans, uh, it's, it's hard to, there's, there's no evidence that there were like teachers or that there was a teacher or a Jewish Christian teacher. These very might very likely were just, Gent, um, non-Jewish people who were pretty convinced that they had to sort of take on a mode of life that looked Jewish in order to participate in the salvation offered by the God of Israel, whose Jewish son, you know, was sent to earth to, to die for his people and the world. Um, so, yeah, the, there were, there's pressure in Rome and in Galatia to um, change ethnicity and become Jewish to participate mm. in salvation, to enjoy salvation. So legalism for Paul wasn't tied to w the working out of the Christ gift in terms of changes of life or practices or habits, but the works of law had to do with um, the temptation to find your identity in Christ through the Jewish pattern of life or the Jewish identity. 
and that that was what brought you into Christ. Am I getting that yeah, right? That's right. That's right. And it's all, again, it has a lot to do with belonging and group identity. So there's there were people in both of those churches that were offering sort of um, a concrete way of making sure you belong. You know, right. here's how you can tell um, by sort of having the right group identity instead right. of just having Got it. a mode so, of life shaped by loving your neighbor. So is it is it possible to see similar temptations in the church today in the sense of like same legalisms, the idea that I have to take on the identity of a Southern Baptist or I have to take on the identity of, you know, a charismatic or whatever it is. Is that, is, oh, totally. is there a correspondence between those approaches? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you have to, you know, you can't be a Democrat and a Christian or you can't be yes. a Republican and a Christian or you can't, you know, you have to be this party. Or you have to, um, I mean, my goodness, I grew up this way. Um, you know, those Catholics, they're not Christians. Um, mm. You know, we're the true Christians. Or, you know, uh, you can't, you know, Episcopalians aren't Christian. Or, you know, Presbyterians maybe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever. Being Christian is obviously, obviously looks like the group that I belong to. Right. And um, what are our... How, how is group loyalty demonstrated? You know, all mm. the little ways that we sort of manifest that we are, we're part of the right group. So yes. yeah, oh, th this is completely up and running today. Okay. I mean, I think it applies to matters of race uh, and ethnicity. It, mm. it applies to gender. It applies to so much of these, of the ways that we include and exclude. Ooh. Um, totally. Because that was the point, right? Some of the Romans... The Romans who had assumed the Jewish identity were looking down upon and judging the other Roman yeah. Christians who had not. Yep. So totally. this is this is energized by superiority and exclusion. Yeah. And that's the boast that's going on in Romans three, you know, uh, twenty-seven to thirty-one, when Paul mm -hmm. talks about boasting is eliminated because of how God sets people right. Mm. Um, you can't. There's, there should be no subgroup among Christians that can kind of say, um, we're part of the right group and you're part of the wrong group. Oh, you know what I on mean? anything other than Jesus. On anything other than uh, Jesus. And Man, hoping that's so in... so huge. Yeah, it's really crazy how slimly Paul portrays being Christian. Yeah. You know, anybody, like 1 Corinthians 12, anybody that calls out, anybody says Jesus is Lord, they're yeah. in. Yeah. Mm. It's oh. like, man, that's a big group. Right. <laughs> I want I wanna I want you know, I want to draw lines that make me comfortable. Right. Um, then how so would yeah. you characterize fruit if um what role would fruit then play in the sense of you know, John has this passage where you know he talks about for in first John, those who have left from us were never part of us. And I've heard people use that as a way to sort of justify, well, fruit is the way we measure someone, someone who's really in or not. Mm. Um, and so they, they, instead of parking the legalism at the front of the conversation about who can be in and who cannot, it, it's almost on the back end of, well, this person hasn't grown quick enough or demonstrated fruit. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think... <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, we, we would say that, or I, at least I would have articulated that genuine faith um, does produce change. I mean, you can't get married and not change how you live your life. Um, 
because of the nature of marriage, right? So you can't receive the Christ gift and have that not, you know, as Barclay says, have that not start remaking us. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to say, uh, I'm trying to get around the games that people will play and that I've played about measuring fruit um, uh, as and turning that into an identity sort of scenario. So mm-hmm. like, for instance, um, you've not spoken in tongues or yeah. you know whatever whatever the yeah. the back end experience should be yeah yeah it's um yeah i'm i'm trying to think i was want to th- think about whether different biblical authors would, would answer the question differently like mm. complementarily but differently so john um definitely is focused on fruit um and the fruit is loving one another like that's mm. that's it that's the only fruit is you have my commands uh, and, and this is this is my command that you love one another. Got it. So that's that's still slim. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but but it's critical. It's the thing. It is you the know? thing. I love mean, is all we have left. Love yeah. is the reality. Love is the thing. Love is the it's it's the the sine qua non. It's the thing without which it's you're not Christian. So. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. So, I think so Paul, tribal identities cannot coexist with that sort of love. Totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, because any other group, especially if you went through all the details of John and you know the Gospels, um, there are inevitably disciples that are kind of warring against other groups. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Jesus, we're the only group of your followers, right? And he's like, eh, not so fast, boys. There's, um, you know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be part of this bigger than just you all. Um, And so this, the disciples need to learn that kind of like deference to the reality that Jesus is one big family is bigger than, Mm. than just their subgroup or, Mm -hmm. you know, just the the group of 12 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And you get all those notes in John, like he has other followers too, or um, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who are all these other disciples? (laughs) Um, Right. Yeah, but I'm thinking also in Paul, there's, uh, I think you see all this explicitly come out. Um, so in Galatians, for example, um, he would answer that question. Um, all right, Paul, fine. Then what matters? Okay, if we don't have circumcision, mm-hmm. that is that is Jewish identity. If we don't have circumcision to tell us who's in, who's out, what do we have? Yes. And that's when he says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters anything. Right. What matters is new creation. New creation. Yes. Which which is kind of like, well, then what does that look like? Because that's right. still that's still out there. But then he repeats himself and he says, um, circumcision, uncircumcision don't matter. What matters is faith working through love. Mm. So, you know, there again, he sort of sounds like Jesus. So <laughs> it's like um, yeah, that faith. I guess you can call that bearing fruit. Um, yeah. Cause Paul does talk about, Oh yeah. And actually in chapter five, the question about the fruits of the spirit, I think mm-hmm. the question, the question he's answering is um, when you look out at a community, how yeah. do you, how do you know what the animating dynamic is of that community? That's so good. Yeah. And what he's, what he says, just look at the community. Mm-hmm. Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, etc.? that's the spirit at work in that community when you look at a community and you see factions and rivalries and outbursts of anger and jealousy and all that kind of stuff that you know the the animating 
spiritual dynamic of that community is the power of the flesh. It's the, you know, the, that's a community that's captive to the cosmic power of flesh mm. where sin and death are at work. So, um, so those kinds of things are actually really, really important. In fact, um, yeah, I think we fall into this in our, um, in our modern day. I mean, what have we all been trained to look at churches and know what is safe and unsafe? What's the doctrinal statement? Right. You know, don't worry. And in fact, if they have the right doctrinal statement, don't worry yeah, about, yeah, they could be a bunch of ornery SOBs, but that's fine <laughs> because they've got good theology. Right. So it's like, we're working directly against how Paul would look at a community, which is just terrible. Mm. Um, so yeah, Paul is all about, um, breaking down those tribal tendencies and seeing to it that communities are intentionally formed, um, where, where, where difference is highlighted. Yeah. Um, but where people act like siblings across the lines of difference. In Ephesians, we're saved by grace uh, through faith is, uh, or not, excuse me, we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. Is he using works in the, in a similar way there? I think it's different. Okay. Um, because although I'd be very happy to be educated on this, I'm, I, 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 but I, my sense is it's different just because, um, um, there's no, there's no obvious Jew Gentile dynamic going on there. Mm. Um, and he wants to also say the same thing to, these are, these are just Gentile communities. So there's not like that. That's not the issue that's up and running, or it's not. An but there's issue a that's boast, so that yeah. no one can boast. He mentioned. So I yeah, wonder. I, th I think what's going on there, the cadence of that statement is really interesting. I've always wanted to chase this down. I've not seen anybody that's written on this. Um, oh, my brain is turning to mush. There's a song, the cadence of that statement, um, not from works, so that no one can boast. Mm -hmm. um, um, the, I. I need to look at the Septuagint of this psalm. Is that Psalm 100? Mm. Uh, where, where the psalmist says, um, oh, geez, what does he say? He talks about um, we are the sheep of his pasture. Um, we are his people. Um, he made us and not we ourselves. Mm. Um, so, okay, so here's, here's the language. Uh, from Psalm 100, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. Mm. It is he who made us and we are his, mm. we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And there's a, um, there's an alternative reading in the footnote yes, to the I NIV. It. And it says, uh, it is he who made us and not we, not we ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I think is, is the psalmist is saying there is, um, I mean, this is something Israel would say out loud. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. It is God who constituted and created us. It's mm. not we that created us. Like, how did we get here? Well, we have a story to tell. Um, you know, we, we were brought up out of slavery in Egypt mm. and God mm. brought us into the land. And so I think that what's going on in Ephesians 2 is um, this is the story that the church is supposed to narrate to itself to understand who it is. Mm. And what what brought this community about? How did it come to be? Mm. Um, I get it. Here's how it came to be. Uh, this, this is not, uh, I guess we could say it this way. <clears throat> what made God pull the lever of salvation that just 
brought this resurrection dynamic into the world and created this community out of nothing. What, like what, what, what did that? Well, I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't that God was so impressed with, with who we are and what we've done that he responded and was like, I've got to save these people. Um, it was based on nothing but his grace. He, he just decided to invade the world and liberate our little nobody community and make us into um, these heirs of everything. So I think that, I think it, that the works there, I think they're really kind of synonymous mm. with the good deeds. It's okay. like, okay. not that God was impressed with what we did. And then he brought this thing about this community that is the embodiment of salvation. Um, God just invaded and recreated us and made us new. And we have an end. Like there's a point to this. That's it's, so for, good. it's for us to walk in these liberating practices so that we can fill our lungs with new creation air. Um, oh, that's so good. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So Tim, what I, what I, I guess I'm, I'm hearing you say, and this is so good, so interesting to me, is on the one hand, there is a legalism that we are to uh, be afraid of that was sort of um, embodied in the assumption of Jewish identity markers uh, and the thought that, that somehow that um, uh, identification with, uh, with um, Jewish identity markers, you know, brought about justification in Christ. So there's that one, and we see that, as you've said, that dynamic up and running today. But the, the Ephesians passage is more about how it is, because it's all full of we, right? We were this, now we're this. Because of God's great mercy, he has this. Yeah. And so the, the works there isn't the, <clears throat> the formation of the community. Like we're not responsible for the formation of this grand community, but this grand community exists so that we might yeah. work out um, God's purposes on earth. Yeah, it kind of gets that. at the issue of causation. Like, what? Good, good, good. What? what what's the origin of this community? What? Um, yeah, wh where do we come from? What's our origin story? And the origin story is God's grace. The origin story is not, you know, we did something impressive. Yeah, you know, we got together as a church and um, had works of piety that come like God. We got his attention and he pulled the lever of salvation or something like that and constituted <laughs> us as a people. Totally. You know, we, yeah. we are, we are his people, you know, it's, it's, um, he has done this and not us. Yes. You know, so there's no he, boasting. Oh yeah. The boasting, yeah, so the there, boasting is eliminated. The boasting is slightly different. Yes. It's yes. Like, that's where I was going. Yep. You know, it's not boasting necessarily in one group's identity over another, it's it's more of like yeah human boasting like we you know we brought this about like the Tower of Babel versus Pentecost one is us making a name for ourselves the other is God kind of coming down almost just invaded out yes. of nowhere no one expected yes. this yes yes yeah okay yeah, that's totally. so good okay yeah that's really helpful that's really really helpful because I I think the way so this ties into grace obviously because grace was always presented as something that almost made us super passive because you never wanted to be tempted into quote works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what Paul's setting grace over against at all. No, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, human presumption or, or just, yeah, just as we tell our story, 
as we tell our origin story, it's got to be an origin story of um, God's initiative, his gracious initiative in invading our enslaved reality and giving us life. It's, it's not an origin story of like, look what we figured out, you know, right. we as a community right. or, or whatever. It's, yeah, we rehearse an, an, an origin story of um, helplessness and lostness and distance from God. And the story includes uh, how God, you know, bridged that gap and how he brought us near and liberated us. Well, I mean, that's actually at the beginning of chapter two. We were dead. Mm-hmm. We were dead. He gave seasons. us life. Yep. Yep. You know, so that's that's the story as we tell our story as as a community. So here's a dumb question uh, that you're going to object to, even the way I, for, I formulate it. But um, if if somebody was in an elevator with you, we get asked this a lot. What you know? Why do you? Why does it need podcasts and PhDs? You know, to to talk about what the core message of kind of the gospel is. And um, if you were, if you were, if I, if we were in casual conversation, we'd gotten beyond quipping, and I had said, you know, something to you along the lines of, okay, so what, what does it mean to follow this Jesus and to call yourself a Christian? Is there a way to boil that question down, or an answer down to? I don't know, 30 seconds or so. I mean, and I know you're going to say, because I've heard you say it in other contexts, no, no, it takes forever to figure this out. But there has to, there has to be one, there, if you were going to try to arouse curiosity or something to further conversation, what would you, is there anything you would say? I know you hate it. He's given me all these looks, <laughs> all these looks that hate this. This got popped yeah. because we spent six episodes on saved, on the word saved. Yeah, well, to me, um man that's right yeah i just um i guess i want to know where this, does that question come from like what are the values lying beneath that question because i really do see it um like p- people who ask that who want some kind of a simplified version um what is it that you're looking for are you looking for a sales pitch like why do you want that hmm um like um yeah like if you were to boil <laughs> yellowstone down to 15 <laughs> seconds how would you do it rocks and trees and beauty yeah. I don't know. so yeah if i was to boil it down um yeah god jesus jesus loves me this i know i don't know i don't i just don't uh i know yeah i, can't, I, I really I don't know what that you seemed impulse. like in a good mood i just thought no, i'm in I a great mood I'd try it you know I, i'm in a great mood i just feel like um <laughs> something that is so rich i want to appreciate the richness of it and um uh there's there's something about the gospel preaching in the first part of acts anyway um you know, where Peter and the Jerusalem apostles are preaching the gospel in Jerusalem and they're actually preaching to people who are expecting something like, mm-hmm. like, and so there, there's a well-prepared uh, set of expectations mm, and, yep, and a well, yep. there's a, like, there's, there's a puzzle with two pieces missing. That's really and good. Peter yes. and John, they come in and like, Hey, these are the two pieces. Right. And so like when Paul and Bar- Silas, 
they go out, they're like, hey, this is how this is done. Well, all right, let's go to Gentile territories. And they arrive and they're like, hey, these are the two puzzle pieces. And they're like, that's awesome. Uh, let's fit it into this other puzzle where mm. Zeus and Hermes are the gods. Yes. And that's, that's who you guys are, Zeus and Hermes. And so then what Paul starts to do at that point is he starts slowing down and evangelism takes two years. Mm. So it's like, um, that's so you, good. How do you boil something down? But Paul didn't. So it, um, because if you do boil it down in a consumer culture that is, we're all completely oriented according to ourselves and we want fulfillment and contentment and have a happy life. If I say in 15 seconds in a, on an elevator, I say, Hey, um, the answer to all your questions is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's awesome. Um, cause all my questions are, how can I be a millionaire and how can I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, so I just oh, think that that's, that's so good. That's really naive to, to say, well, how do you boil this down? Well, yeah. what if it's not, what if it's not boiled downable? Why, why do you want to boil down this multidimensional rich reality that not only that, but the logic of the gospel is so counterintuitive Hmm. so that even as you learn so much, this is what I did for years. Anyway, I fit so much information about the gospel into my inherited grammar, grammar Hmm. of power of, of individualism. And then I learned that the gospel actually is a different grammar and you have Hmm. to learn it. Um, And you don't learn it overnight. You, You have to, you, you have to kind of plummet depths a bit. Um, I mean, so at the same time, if I had, if I had to say in 15 seconds, maybe I would say I'm crucified with Christ. But I mean, what does that, what does any of that mean to anybody? Well, that you just know? shows the nuance of it. Just to throw that word out again. Yes. Um, but like just in the example there between the first part of acts and just the, the understand the dynamics of both those areas and how to speak to the people with all of the complexities of their life and understanding as part of how you relate to them. And it just shows the, how important the communal aspect of it is being willing yeah. to invest for like however long it's going to take. And we still try to do that two puzzle piece version yeah. with everybody. Oh, yeah. So or, good. yeah or, as if there's a one size fits all. Or yeah. we do even worse. We do things like the, you know, making a slave Bible and just being like, the only thing that matters is that we can proclaim salvation for somebody, but we do not want it to mess with our personal dynamics. So we've even changed, like we have history of changing it so much to strip people of humanity within. I I say that as like, what, what is the point of evangelism? What is the point of preaching this? And throughout history, we'll often see that that the genesis of that is so misconstrued that it's hard to like, it's almost like you have to take that second to breathe and reassess. Why am I sharing this information? Like, Mm -hmm. what is the point of what I'm articulating? Because I've been taught that, you know, I've been taught various, many different things. I don't know. But as you were talking (laughs) about that, I was just thinking of all the histories of how, how off center we have done this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what we make it, what's the easiest version we can do of it. And then we've also used those easy versions as power plays to people who are marginalized. It's just a wild, mm-hmm. 
it's a bit, mm. it's been a wild trajectory yeah and and also the boiled down version be, becomes a piece of information in our minds that we run out all these implications of that and then and all of those implications are in non-gospel directions right which is troubling yeah mm. so if i just say it's all about asking jesus into your heart well that's that that just it gets so many things wrong um and leads to so many wrong things um yeah i, I just think that that's oh also some sometimes i think the question implies we know what we're talking about but we yes. just need a boiled down version of it and it's like to become a learner a disciple is to embark on a process of learning what this even is and i yeah. just from my experience people just don't know what this is i mean i'm getting my head around it yeah and that's how i feel implications are frightening during the apologetics time period of life whatever that was early 20s and going out there and arguing for faith and realizing my lack of knowledge on the complexities of this whole thing came out so quickly and yeah. then you feel like you have to lie to cover it. you have to like yeah i can't show weakness i can't show yeah. a lack of that's right information on the product that i was selling and so yeah. it's just the whole thing just immediately skews off yeah. but mike you like are, i don't know where we're talking well, so what, tim like yeah you can't afford to behave like a christian because you're trying to make someone else a christian exactly <laughs> totally there, we were talking about some topic and you were it was something about reading the bible i can't remember which um episode we were on but you were saying like well i would start in one of the gospels and i would ask a question so let's start at the beginning of matthew 1 and you started reading and you're like i would ask what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean and asking questions about understanding kind of the complexity of each thing as we go forward but then understanding it within the place in which it's written who it's written to and i've been using that model now for everything like mm. and i use it in the classroom too for english like I think it's a really important, I think it's a very wise um, posture to approach anything in conversation is to ask a bunch of questions and then to listen to each other. And so I've been trying to do that. And I, th I think it's really helpful because I was raised mm. opposite. It was like, mm. you can go you out there the with answers. just John three sixteen, yeah, and know that everybody is despicable and needs saving. And that's all you got. That's all you need. We're just, we're, we're just trying to get as many people as possible. That's what the slave Bible thinks. So it's gross for a myriad of reasons, but to say, hey, we just need them to be saved, to accept Jesus, but let's make sure that they stay in the power dynamic that we have set up. Because it's ultimately just about a proclamation of salvation. And that's so wild. Yeah, which is a future reality and a heavenly reality and has nothing to do with this world. That's yeah. right. That's right. Or my behavior. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm eternal security, baby. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, in, in so anyway, man, I just, I'm sorry about the 15 second thing. I just, I don't know. No, I love I got, it. If I got emails like that, I would just say, I don't know. Is it a dumb? You're rich. Is it a dumb question if it brings about such agitation and great response? I don't think so. There are no stupid questions, only stupid answers. I don't answers. think so. Agitation, like a good washcloth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, all right. One last question on this. And then thanks so much for your time, man. You're oh, just dude, a totally, man. champ. You yeah, I love hanging out with you guys. Champ. Thank you. Well, it's mutual. Um, there, there is in at least the circles I was I was raised in the idea that this message has to be taught and heard and affirmed, or you cannot go to heaven. 
So the, 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 the missionary movement is designed to tell this message to as many people as possible. Um, how do you see, I mean, two, two parts. How do you see if, if, if this is the package, save faith, grace works, how do you see, um, cause you've hinted at, okay, evangelism from a completely different sort of framework, more community based, less individual sort of based or whatever. But then how about people who've just never heard that and affirm that, um, message so they they live in sub-saharan africa or in india and they have never heard this whole spiel um how do you think paul sees those kinds of people um well first i don't um um yeah i do want to raise a lot of questions about the our assumptions about evangelism but i don't i don't know um i don't know that i would argue for a community-based evangelistic thrust um, I think one of the things that's very, very interesting in all of the New Testament letters, there are no exhortations to evangelize. So I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I think I meant community I'm, like the community proclaims the Lord death until until he comes. So that yeah. So it's not a um, it, it's the existence of a, a certain kind of community that proclaims yes God's it's death. The, and the that's practice. what I meant by community. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. So yeah when the community eats the meal, the meal is the proclamation. Right. So the, 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 the corporate practice of hospitality and unity, which Galatians and Romans are both trying to overcome the disunity, when the community embraces practices of unity, that's what the death of Christ looks like. Like the death of Christ produces that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, oh God, what was your question? About oh, what about who- those people that have never heard? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What about like what about them? Yeah, I mean the the idea behind that view of evangelism was if they don't hear, yeah. they don't go. In fact, I was even exposed in graduate school to a view that said those people that don't hear the gospel were the people that never would have responded anyway. Oh yeah. So this was a Molinistic sort of view. Yeah, what's kind of wild is um, <coughs> excuse me. There's not. I don't really think that there is. Um, there's not there's not a lot going on in the New Testament that really addresses that question. Mm. And there's not a lot in the New Testament that generates that question as important. Um, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I, I smell what you're cooking, my friend. Well, no, no, no. I, I just, I think that that's an interesting observation. No, I, I think so it it's is. like we have... I think we talk about that question. Mm. I, I suspect we talk about it because our theology begins with hell. It does not begin with God or Jesus or salvation or the cross or anything. I mean, we, you know, we start mm. with hell and what's, and then now we're Americans. What's the most efficient way to get a lot of people out of that destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what about, and then the question is raised, well, what about people who never hear this message? Right. Exactly. Um, I guess I just, I want a different starting point. I start with Jesus and start with um, the God of Israel and the creator God. And um, also in scripture, this is in, in the old Testament. And it's also a dominant note in Matthew. It's a, it's a massive note in Mark. It's pretty important for Paul and Hebrews and revelation and uh, James and John uh, and Peter. Yeah. Uh, so all the all new Testament them. writers, this I'm just trying to think of passages <laughs> 
is that the people who are most who are in the most precarious positions are those who have heard. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like we're asking the wrong question. Oh, it's so good. Um, God, when I when when Christians look out on the world, um, we should imagine people as objects of God's intense love and um, care, um, and God, you know, God's grief that there are lives of pain in this world. Hmm. Um, and when we think about ourselves as the church, and this is not my own personal identity, but when we consider ourselves. Um, I think we need to consider ourselves as people called um, to to bring relief and care into the world and genuine humanity. Um, and if we are at all furthering destruction and anger and oppression and division, we need to know that God is suiting up in armor to come and judge us. Because mm. that's Isaiah 59. I mean, mm. God puts on his armor to come against his people because his mm. people have become an people of injustice. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. What about those who have never heard? They're the objects of God's love. I mean, what, what is God going to do in the end or what's he going to, what happens? I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a thousand times, you know, infinitely better, better and more loving than I am. So it's probably going to, I just don't know. But warnings about judgment are often almost always directed at God's people. Yeah. So we're the ones who we have a question mark over us. Other people don't have question marks over them. <laughs> Love it, dude. Well, listen, Tim, um, we're so grateful for you, our audience. Hey, you are welcome. Anytime. I'm always honored. Anytime I get to hang out with you guys. Wow. Yeah, appreciate Talk that. Talk to other friend. humans and not felines. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're not, you know, they're not so bad. No, a polar no, bear they, and a wolverine. That's right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.